And I am very happy with doing my freelancing and my podcasting. I make six figures a year and I can live the life I want and I have plenty of time and it's very flexible, but it's not super sexy. It's not super glamorous. I don't have this amazing story of bling everywhere. And I think to me, that's important for some people to see that like, you know, it doesn't have to be about trying to 10X your income all the time or pay off tens of thousands of dollars of debt in the next year. Like it really can be about, okay, let's take a step back here and let's talk about what's realistic, what's comfortable in my life, and what is is comfortable. Hi there, ambitious friends. I'm Deshina, your host, and I have a special treat in store for you today. You are really going to enjoy this amazing episode where I spoke with Miranda Marquette. Now, the first thing you should know is that this episode was recorded in November 2022 like literally two days after the November elections. And Miranda was actually on the ballot running for state legislature in her home state. Sadly, she did not win this go round. So the wounds from her campaign loss were still extremely fresh. But let me tell you, Miranda handled this interview with such grace And I really appreciate her sharing her experiences, her disappointments, her challenges, and her amazing insights on this podcast. I'll also tell you that I got so excited when she described herself as being in a state of transition and not knowing yet how she was going to proceed when it comes to her political aspirations. So this is an episode where I'm proud to say that I really had a chance for my coaching skills to shine and gently guide her toward some meaningful next steps. Now, at times, I did worry that I might have been frustrating her a little bit because I did press her and challenge her to identify what actions she can take next. But that's because I wanted to help her find a starting point to begin working through this phase of transition and and uncertainty. Plus, I knew that we were going to get to someplace good and that going through this process with her was going to help not only her, but so many other ladies that feel like they are at a crossroads of indecision and uncertainty. Oh, and by the way, after the recording, ended, I did ask Miranda if I was frustrating her during the interview. And she was so amazing and said, no, I wasn't. She just hadn't figured things out yet and didn't know if she was being helpful. But she absolutely was helpful. And I want to send a big shout out to her and thank her again for sharing her story. So with that said, lean in and listen closely because you don't want to miss a juicy minute of this one. Now, let's dive in. Okay, so today I'm speaking with Miranda Marquette. Miranda is a freelance financial writer and nationally recognized money expert. She has a journalism background and an MBA, and she focuses on writing and podcasting about money on the internet. She loves being able to design a flexible lifestyle that allows her to travel, spend time outdoors, and have board game nights with her grown son. 
So let's go ahead and dive into the episode. Hi, Miranda. How are you today? Hi, Justina. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, awesome. I'm so glad to have you here. And I'll just tell you that before we really dive into your ambitious goal and where you are with that, I think it's always good to know a little bit about where you came from. And as we know, money touches nearly every aspect of our lives. And often it can impact who we become and the decisions we make as adults. So as a financial freedom coach, I always want to start by talking about how we all developed our relationship with money, which typically begins in childhood. So tell me, Miranda, when you were growing up, what did you learn about money? Yeah, so most of what I learned about money growing up was that basic middle class, uh, save, don't get into debt, and you know, go to college, work hard, work hard for 40 years, retire. Uh, and that's basically what I learned. Like my parents didn't really talk to us much about money other than talking to us about like, well, let's talk about, you know, we got to save this much. We got to give this much to the church. Um, and you got to save for the future, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they didn't ever talk to me about investing. Right. So my mom was a stay at home mom for most of the time I was growing up. And my dad first worked for a university and then he worked for a government contractor. And so he was one of those who had a pension at one point. Wow. RIP the pension. But um, he's one that had the pension. And then later on throughout his career, they did introduce having that 401k and having, you know, having that. But he has a pension and that 401k. And so they never talked to me about investing. They never talked to me about uh, the importance of you know leveraging your resources. And it would never have occurred to them to talk to me about starting a business or designing a life around you know what you want to do because it's like, okay, well, you're gonna have to work eight hours a day and then you just design your life around working your eight hours a day. So for me, it was just very straightforward, right? I middle class white collar upbringing <laughs> where where it's just like okay well you learn to save and you know maybe you get a credit card but you got to pay it off every month which is good advice yes if you have a credit card you should pay it off every month but um, but you know and and then eventually you know you go to college and you get those student loans and then get a job and then you work for 40 years and then you retire and you're 60 and then you can like live your life and, you know, maybe have a couple of kids along the way and make sure you get a house. So, so, you know, just that kind of very prescribed path. Yes. Yes. Same here. And so many people I talked to same thing, go to college, get a job, uh, work for people, you know, nobody ever, um, taught us about money, but certainly not that you could start your own business. I mean, we have so, this is such an amazing time, right? I mean, we have so many opportunities nationally, globally, and as women, you know, you don't have to just live by that standard traditional recipe of just work for somebody for 40 years. And maybe at 60, you get to retire and live your life. No, I want to live the life and do the things that I want to enjoy right now and, you know, travel and create my own business and do what I'm passionate about and help others and, you know, just live the life that I want to live without, um, you know, like you said, uh, designing my life around my job. I, you know, it's the opposite. I want to <laughs> have a job that works around my life. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> so, oh, I totally get that. And 
yeah, not being taught about, you know, in saving and investing, but uh, do you think that they knew anything about that or they just didn't talk about it or they didn't know? Yeah, I think a lot of it was they didn't know just because just because all of the investing they did was through the pension and later the 401k. And so there was no outside of it. There's no need for it, right? You're, you just set your money aside for retirement and you don't need to have a separate investing account and you don't need to try this other stuff. And and when I was growing up and date myself, but, uh, but when I was growing up, right, there was, there was not E-Trade when I was young. E-Trade came along later when I was probably in high school. And so like there weren't these exchange traded funds and then there wasn't a lot of access to mutual funds. I mean, back in the day to access a mutual fund, you had to have $50,000 in the account at the brokerage. And so there was a lot of stuff like that where investing just wasn't accessible. And so for them, like the most accessible way to invest was to do so through that company retirement plan, that company pension. Um, and you know they assume that there's investments in the pension and <laughs> be solvent, but yeah. So you have that stuff, and since we've grown up and become adults, there's so many other ways that you can invest. There's so many apps. There's it's so easy. You can automate it. You can start with five bucks if you want. I mean, my son has a, a real job now, and he's. He's going to school, working part-time. And we just, we set up a thing for him in a Roth IRA where he transfers like 10 bucks a week. And it's not a ton, but it's, it's about making it that priority. And I wanted him to make it a priority. Like, even if it's not enough, I want to make sure you're like, okay, let's get in that mindset where we know that at least some of our money is always going to be working for us. Uh, even if it's a small amount to start, even if it's from your part-time job and you don't have a retirement account at your job. Like if you can do $10 a week to start moving to a Roth IRA, you're making, you're making that that priority and your money is working for you. That is so, you said so many uh, great things in there. (laughs) I just sort of word vomited all over. (laughs) Okay. So, but just where you just ended with that um, teaching your son early. I mean, that is so crucial. Even if it's a small amount, the thing that with investing is it used to be much more complicated. Like you said, it was harder to get in. You know, there was a barrier to entry factor, but it used to seem like, you know, something that you need a college degree or something just to know how to, how to figure out how to invest. And the, and nowadays things have gotten so much simpler, much more accessible for everybody. You can get in with a small amount. And the fact that you're teaching your son you know, just $10 a week. Cause you know, the earlier you start, the interest compounds, you know, and so the money's working for you and it's growing and he won't even miss that $10 a week. Mm. <laughs> and that's, that, that's money working for him. So, you know, I always like to tell people the best way to start is to start small. You can start small, but you're developing that habit and you're just getting some skin in the game, so to speak. So that's awesome. And you know, good job with that, (laughs) teaching him early. So how do you feel that your childhood experiences with money impacted the way you handled money as an adult? So I kind of started out because my parents didn't talk to me a ton about money and didn't make it a huge priority to talk to me about it beyond like, make sure you're saving, make sure you're giving to the church, that kind of stuff. Just really like, you know, they, they mentioned a little bit about credit, but they didn't talk a lot about credit and they didn't talk about the importance of building good credit. Just, you know, watch out for those credit cards. And so really there was just 
nothing to go off of. Right. So I just kind of show up to college. And really, I didn't even, I mean, I had no idea. They didn't talk to me about, oh, yeah, we're investing in our work account, right? We're investing in a 401k. Like they didn't even talk about that. They didn't talk about, oh, yeah, we're setting money aside from our paycheck. So, like, not even that. And so I was just, so it's just like, okay, well, whatever. Uh, I'll do my best to build some savings. And where I really started learning about money is after I finished grad school and I had my journalism degree and I started writing about money. And that's when I started learning about money was when somebody hired me to write for this retirement blog. And I was just like, oh, this is interesting. And uh, And that's when I started learning about money. And so, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just, it was just very blah. Like I didn't, I didn't come out of my childhood with like a bad money mindset or a scarcity mindset or anything like that, that some people have, because it was a very solid middle-class upbringing. And, and I, you know, in the back of my mind, I knew before my dad had the second job that he had while I was a child, um, I knew that like, you know, we probably struggled a little bit, but my parents didn't talk about that. So I never felt that lack. So there's just a lot of stuff there where it just like it it had no impact on me. I didn't have a chance to shape me and most of what I started learning about money came when I started writing about money. Now did you find yourself since you uh, didn't really learn much, did you find yourself uh getting into any kind of debt along the oh, way? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <Well. laughs> so, oh yeah. How bad? <laughs> So, I mean, I got, I had student loans, so I had a scholarship, but I also got student loans as well to help pay for like living costs. And uh, I took more student loans than I needed. There was no reason for me, especially after um, my second year and I became an RA uh, resident advisor my junior year. And then my housing was paid for, and I still took those student loans. And <laughs> so I just took all these student loans. I did get a credit card. I maxed out the credit card. Um, and yeah, yeah. but once again, I mean, I don't, I didn't get into amazing amounts of debt and my student loans are still very manageable. I'm old enough that when I got my student loans, um, the interest rates 1.9%, I haven't bothered to pay them off early because I would I do such a thing when I could put the money in the market and make so much more. So there's, so there's a lot there. Um, but most of my money stuff is just very mediocre. I don't have like I don't have amazing debt stories. I'm like, yeah, I maxed out a couple credit cards. Then, you know, my my then husband and I, you know, paid off our debt, <laughs> bought well, a house. Good. I mean, you know, uh, like I it just it's just very mediocre. I don't have an amazing like I tackled eighty thousand dollars of debt in 18 months. No, I just had a very mediocre amount of debt. I my student loans will be paid off in eight years and yeah. and you're okay. Well, that's okay. Right. Because some people have, not everybody has some great story. A lot right. of people do just have mediocre. Story about I know, just like hashtag mediocre money, everybody hashtag mediocre money. No. I'm not making, I'm not making a million dollars a month and I didn't pay off a ton of debt. I'm just here being mediocre. Sorry. That's, hey, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's like, that's your reality. And that's probably the reality for a lot of people. So, and the thing of it is, we don't always 
hear about it enough. So, you know, some people have big struggles and some people just had, a, you know, just the basics. It's like, well, yeah, I went to school. I got in debt and I'm paying it off and, you know, it's okay. It didn't ruin my life. <laughs> I didn't do some sort of heroic, massive payoff amount in record time, but, you know, it's okay. It's not, is it causing you any uh financial stress or any type of financial challenges that you're facing? Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Okay. The, the, the consumer debt's long gone, mm-hmm. uh, not an issue. And so, so that's not a problem. And then, I mean, I did like three or four years ago, make a stupid mistake with the leftover debt from my marriage that resulted in destroying my credit score. Uh, that's a fun story. <laughs> you can read about it on my blog. But, um, but but the reality is, is like right now, my debt is mostly just the student loans. And I'm not, and because the interest rates are so low on my student loan debt, I am in no hurry to pay that off. So, and well, that's also- that's good. Yeah, because so. some people are living with crushing debt, you know? So, and that is, that's a heavy burden to bear. So for you, I mean, there are people that are like you and who's like me, you know, I didn't have a massive amount of debt either student loan debt, but, um, you know, I still didn't like it because (laughs) it was, it was somebody I, Oh, I have this issue. I don't like (laughs) owing. Uh, but, uh, but still there are people that just have just regular, you know, not so much and it's not affecting you. It's the people where it's hindering, you know, cause it can hinder your life. Um, oh yeah. Get interfere with the things you do want to do in life, like buying a house or your debt to income ratio. And it's like this dark cloud hanging over a lot of people's head, impacting whether you want to have children or not, because you're paying these high I I heard that story and I'm like, wow, that's really something to think about. The student loan debt can impact whether or not you decide to have children because, you know, because children are expensive, daycare is expensive. And some of these student loans payments are as much as a a mortgage or more. So it's like, that is, that is something that a lot of people are dealing with that you really have to take into consideration before you go into debt. So it's, it's okay to hear that there are stories where some people just have regular debt that is not crushing them. So, I mean, cause there are people out there like that. So, you know, it, it's good to share all kinds of debt stories. So <laughs> it's not well, mediocre. It's, it, it, I, it, it's, it's just reality. <laughs> well, I think it's important too, though, because it's like, there's so much stuff out there mm-hmm. and, and we do want, like, I mean, we do want to hear, you know, we want to make sure we're providing resources for people who are struggling for people who this is for this is a real heavy burden uh, for sure. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who feel like, oh my gosh, there's this amazing story out here. I'll never, like, I'll never reach that. Or they, they see all of these stories of people, oh, like they're making, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a month. Oh, I'll never reach that. And it's like, and I am very happy with my, like, I make six figures doing my freelancing and my podcasting. I make six figures a year. And I can live the life I want and I have plenty of time and it's very flexible, but it's, it's, but it's not super sexy. It's not super glamorous. I don't have this amazing story of, you know, bling everywhere. And I think to me, that's important for some people to see that, like, you know, it doesn't have to be about trying to 10 X your income all the time or pay off tens of thousands of dollars of debt in the next year. Like it really can be about, okay, let's take a step back here. Let's 
be a little mediocre and let's, let's talk about what's realistic, what's comfortable in my life and what is, is comfortable for me. Right. Like you said, you don't want to owe somebody. And so you're like, okay, I'm that, that means that's going to be the priority. I'm going to pay off those student loans, no matter what me personally, I'm like, I can, I'm, I'm okay with owing somebody if it's a very low interest rate and and I'm putting my money in the market. So I think it really goes down to taking stock of your values, where your comfort level is, and then being realistic. And the problem is, is like stories like mine are not sexy. They are not fun. They are not being splashed across CNBC about some amazing miracle. And that leaves some people lost. So it's nice to see somebody who's just like, yeah, I'm just being a regular mediocre person with my money. And uh, let's, and, and you could have a nice life with that. You can have a life you enjoy with that. And that's what I was going to say. How do you feel about your uh, finances and the life you're living right now? Yeah, right now it's great. My son's 20. <laughs> he's he's out of the house. He's a self-sufficient young man for the most part. I mean, helping. I'm helping a little bit with his housing and his schooling um, while he's doing this stuff, but he's working part-time. He lives in his own apartment. And my ex asked for a divorce back in 2015. So I have been husband-free for seven years and I can do whatever I want. <laughs> so, it's, but, but the reality of the situation is, you know, I, I make a nice income and I don't have to work a ton as a freelancer. It's very nice. I get to set my own schedule. I set my own hours. I'm getting ready to go away on a on a trip and, you know, I'll work a little bit in the morning and then have the rest of the time to enjoy myself, do the things I want to do. I get to have my nails done twice a month. Um, this beautiful hair is what I pay for. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so I do, I get to, and I get to have dinner with friends um, tomorrow, having some friends over for, for dinner. And, you know, I like to go camping. I like to go hiking. I like, to, you know, my son and I go to my parents' house and we play board games. And so, you know, it's a very kind of, it's not this lavish lifestyle, but it's a lifestyle I enjoy because I can set my own schedule. I can set my own hours. If if somebody needs a little help with something, I can do that. If my friend says, hey, I'm in, hey, I've come to town. Can we go to lunch? I can be like, yeah, I can finish this article later and go to lunch with my friend. And and I don't have to worry about how much it's going to cost to go to lunch with my friends. And so kind of working up to that point is to me, like just that freedom and flexibility is what really matters to me. Absolutely. And that is what life is supposed to be about, right? You know, that's the whole point is that you should be living a life that you enjoy, that you enjoy. Your life doesn't have to be the same as someone else's, you know, and that's where that's a big um issue. I had a conversation with one of the ladies where we compare ourselves too much to other people and that can make you feel inferior or make you, uh, you know, go into debt. A lot of people go into debt, trying to keep up with other people and do what they're doing. But success is, you know, that's why I asked you, how do you feel about it? You are enjoying your life. And isn't that the point of life? (laughs) It doesn't have to be sexy to other people. You just need to be doing what makes you happy and success looks different for everyone. So that's a key thing that we all have to remember is that, you know, that's how, like I said, so many people get into debt because trying to do what other people are doing, but just do you. <laughs> and, yes. be, and I love that. So if it makes you happy, that's all that counts. And you have the freedom, flexibility. And that's why I put that in the title 
of this mm. podcast. Yes. Uh, making money. You're, you're doing what you want to make money. You're seeking freedom. I mean, well, a lot of women are seeking freedom, but you have the freedom and the flexibility. That's why you are a freelancer and do the work that you do. And you're chasing your dreams. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute, what that is. But okay, so did we talk about what you do already? You, you mentioned yeah. that you're a freelance right, uh, writer, right? Okay. Yeah, I, and that's it. That's it. That's the tweet. I write and podcast about money on the internet and people okay. pay me to do it. Okay, so, hey, that's great. awesome. I like it. I like it. <laughs> yes. And okay, so is there any specific story behind how you got into that? With- so, yeah, so I, I got my journalism master's degree and my son was a toddler and my ex was working on his PhD. And so I knew that, you know, I knew I was going to write because- I got a journalism degree, uh, but I was looking for a way to make money online. And the internet was, I mean, this is 2005. And so, you know, the internet was just starting to be kind of the marketing thing that it is today, right back in the day. And so I started looking for just online jobs. Uh, I wrote for content farms. I wrote for uh, physics.org. I did some work for Discover Magazine. Uh, mostly I was just doing sciencey things and content farms. I thought I was going to be a science writer. And one day when I was turning in stuff on this content farm, somebody reached out to me and said, Hey, we think that blogging is going to be the next big marketing thing online and we need somebody consistent. And it's a retirement blog. It's writing about money. Um, and how, what do you think? And I was just like, I don't know anything about money and I don't know anything about retirement. And oh my goodness. And she said, well, you know, you're right about science and science and money are both just math and you can do this. So I was like, okay, <laughs> so I'll give it a try. And, and throughout, right. I had to do research. So I started research. I started talking to experts. I started talking to all these people and pretty soon I was writing about money more than I was writing about anything else. And then that's kind of how it shifted. And in the end, I had to give up the science writing because there was so much money writing and there was so much money writing in demand, uh, especially when we hit 2008, 2009. And so there was so much writing in demand, so much money. And so I just kind of shifted. And just over time, I've been able to do uh, more and more of that, raise my rates more and more because you know you build your reputation and you do the whole thing. And I've been able to raise my rates. And now, um, if I write, you know, four or five articles a week, that's enough to keep me in the lifestyle to which I've become accustomed. <laughs> so. That is lovely. <laughs> well, yeah. that is great. Uh, you know, I do freelance writing too, but I've only been doing it for a year now. So I am still trying to grow the freelance side of my business. So good on you. You're making six <laughs> figures doing that. And you have the freedom, flexibility to do what you want to do, travel when you want to travel. That's the whole point behind financial freedom. That's why I became the financial freedom coach, because once I paid off on my debt and became debt free, I discovered that I had financial freedom. I thought financial freedom meant that you had to have millions of dollars or it was way off in the future. But that's when my eyes were open. It's like, oh, my gosh, financial freedom just means having the freedom and the options to do the things that I want to do with my money. And yes. now that I don't owe people, I have the freedom and options to do the thing that I want to do with my money. <laughs> so, yes, yes. <laughs> so that was very eye-opening for me. So, okay. So um, moving on, just tell us now, what is your ambitious goal? 
Yeah. So I like being involved in my community. And so one of the things that I did when I moved back to my hometown and everything else was I started getting involved, getting involved with politics, getting involved with volunteering and realizing that because I have this flexible schedule and can kind of move things around the way I need to, it made it much easier for me to be able to get involved in politics and nonprofits. And so I've run for office twice, I've lost twice, (laughs) but that's what happens when you're the minority party in the state like where I live. But I'm also very active in my local political party. I'm the chair of our county political party. And I sit on three different nonprofit boards and I advise a fourth uh, nonprofit. (laughs) We're starting to get to the point where I need to start saying no to things. We're reaching that level. But but I, you know, I do want to be able to keep running for office or maybe not necessarily running for office, but maybe shifting into a more political activist role. And, you know, that takes time and energy. And so being able to do that effectively means I need to have resources and time. And I need to be able to have, and I do, I have the resources I need to support my lifestyle. And then I have the flexibility to have the time to work on that stuff. So I just really kind of want to work on you know, being active in my state and in my city and making lives better here in my little small corner of the world. Once again, we remain mediocre. I don't expect to like go and change the world and run for national office. You don't want to be president (laughs) someday? No, my goodness, no. Wow. Did you see what happened to Obama's hair after he was done being president? Did you see how that poor man aged? My no, goodness. right. I say that. I'm like, I don't know why anybody would want to do that job. That is like the worst. I mean, it's like you can't, you no matter what you decide, you're going to uh, somebody's not going to be happy. Half the country's not going to be happy, no matter what you choose or which party you are. So it's like that that's just the most stressful job ever. And I, I don't know why anybody would want to do it, you know, for the just the title. I mean, uh, that's I guess that's just not important enough to me. You know, I'd rather have my mental health, (laughs) my sanity. (laughs) Well, and I find too, being local, what's really great about what I do locally and what's fun is that you can see the change, right? So one of the, I sit on our soup kitchen board and I ended up on the soup kitchen board because uh, toward the end of 2020, just before Thanksgiving, like this is like the, the saddest sob story ever, but just before Thanksgiving in 2020, the pandemic has been raging. It's getting close to Thanksgiving. I live in Idaho, so it's very cold. And the soup kitchen is running out of money. It doesn't have, like, it's not going to be able to be sustained. And they're making the terrible decision. They're going to have to close down the soup kitchen right before Thanksgiving. Oh, no. so, so it's like this whole thing. And so a group of citizens gets together and they say, okay, well, what can we do? How can we put the soup kitchen on life support? And then what do we do going forward? And so they asked me to come join them on the board, form this this interim board to save the soup kitchen. And we did, we saved the soup kitchen. And now I'm permanently on the board, but we saved the soup kitchen. And now we have, we've we were able to hire it. They've never had an executive director before that was paid. Uh, it was just volunteers all the time. And that's part of the reason why it's starting to fall apart, right? Like volunteers are getting sick from the COVID and this is happening and that is happening and the money's drying up and all this stuff. And we need a dedicated person. And so we went through and we figured it out. And 
we've got an executive director now, we're going to give her a raise next year and, you know, keep the soup kitchen going. And you can see things like that in your community when you get involved in your community. And to me, it's like, that's awesome. Like to me, it's like, you can do this small little change. It really impacts people. And it's stuff that you can see and that you're close to, right? If you just give money to some political guy in Washington, you never see what happens with that money. You don't know what's going on with that money. You don't see the people you're helping and you're not even sure you're helping. And so, so yeah, I love doing local work and uh, I always encourage people to look for a local charity or a local cause they like. If you love animals, go volunteer at the animal shelter. If you want to help the kids, like we have, we have a volunteer uh, youth arts council. So, you know, I know somebody who helps direct the summer musical and so just things like that. So, you know, having the time and flexibility to do that and kind of ramp up my efforts, that's really kind of like my next thing is, okay, now that I'm comfortable, now that I've been able to do a few things, how do I ramp up my efforts um, and, and kind of take things like to the next level here in my state. Right. So what type of office are you running for or do you (laughs) aspire to run for? (laughs) Well, I just, I just lost my bid for state legislature. (laughs) Oh, we'll see. But that's okay. Um, but you know, I'm looking at some stuff. I've had a few people ask if, you know, Hey, maybe, you know, city council, maybe county commission and, and honestly getting back to something like, which it seems weird people say, well, if you've already run for state legislature, you're like, isn't it a step back to run for city council? I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, as a minority party in the state legislature, everything you propose isn't going to pass anyway, but in a nonpartisan city council, because in Idaho, all of our city and school board positions are nonpartisan. And so you don't run on your party. You have to run on your ideas. Fancy that. And so I'm like, well, city council might be good because then I can run on my ideas. I have a better chance of getting elected. And once again, you're working with a relatively small group of people that has the chance to have a bigger impact because, you know, you're making, you know, and I'm part of our, like a friend of mine on the city council, he's starting a tree committee. We're beautifying things. We're getting some trees in here. It's better for energy efficiency, encourages people to walk more. And and there's just a lot of stuff. Um, And it sounds weird. You're just sitting around a tree committee, really? Like that's, that's your big rule. But (laughs) but it has, but it has the potential to improve the quality of life for tens of thousands of people in our city. And so it's so a part of nature and beautification of the city. Just, it, so it matters. You know, I'm just sitting here. But see, it goes back to me and my thing where I'm just like, you know, really, honestly, like, let's do ordinary people things and show ordinary people that they can do ordinary people things and make a difference where they're at and, you know, be mediocre about it. Do ordinary people mediocre things. Well, you I might be surprised. <laughs> you might be surprised at how, how big of an impact it really has and how much it really matters. Well, if it makes a big impact, then it's not mediocre at all, is it? <laughs> so, I mean, now the thing with the city council, um, so it sounds like what I heard you say is that you would be able to make a lot of uh, positive changes and have mm-hmm. a, a good impact. So what would that mean to you? I mean, I just, yeah, <laughs> I, I like fighting the fight. So <laughs> my ex is like, but would you be really happy if you ever won? Don't you don't you like being miserable as the underdog? <laughs> but but no, I mean to me, like, yeah, I I think I think it, it feels good to see that you're doing good. 
And it feels good to see that. And so for me, I just like that idea. And I like the idea of, of being able to have a purpose in your life as well, like having that purpose uh, rather than just like, okay, well, I got up, I went to work, I have to go to work so that I can buy my food and pay my bills. And now I'm going to come home and there's nothing wrong with coming home and sitting down and watching TV because sometimes that's what I want to do. And, and I do it. But like a lot of us like to have another purpose where it's like, okay, well, you know, what's this purpose? What, how, what am I giving to the world um, that's, that I feel is meaningful and whatever is meaningful to you. Right. So for me, that's, that's, for me, that's kind of the thing, right? Like I want to feel like I'm providing something of value to the world. And why is that important? I don't know. There are days that I lay awake staring at the ceiling and going, why do I care so damn much? Um, but, but it is important to me. So here we are. Okay. And, and so you're not sure exactly why, it, but you have, you feel like you have this, this calling or this desire, this burning desire, this higher purpose to actually serve and make your city better. So yeah. that's great. So, cause you mentioned that Someone said uh, going uh, running. You just tried running for state legislator mm-hmm. later, and that didn't go well, sadly. But um, you you're thinking about city council. You said that you may have a really good chance to win mm-hmm. and end up on the city council. But the other person says, like, isn't that a step back? Does that matter? No, um, <laughs> no. Like because because then I just said, well, no, it's not really a step back because at least this way. Like I am doing something, I am moving forward and we are affecting some change. So precisely, exactly. So, I mean, so city council. Okay. So this is your, is this your ambitious goal now? City council? Sure. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask, you don't ask somebody who just lost an election and has ADHD to figure this out in two days. (laughs) Well, the thing of it is, but But you said it would mean a lot to you. Right. Yeah. And it would. And so I think, I think a lot of it has to do though, too, with taking a step back and reflecting, right? Like some people suggest, okay, city council, somebody else is just like, oh, why don't you just skip that stuff and go straight to Lieutenant governor? (laughs) And you're just sitting here going, I don't know about that. And so I think, I think part of figuring out your, your big goal or finding your purpose, or even trying to decide if it's time to pivot. Cause that's the other thing too, is like, well, maybe maybe running for office isn't how I serve the community. Maybe I go back and look and say, wait a second, um, you know, I'm serving on this Habitat for Humanity board. We are starting an ambitious project uh, for an ongoing stock of affordable housing in our community through a community land trust. And this is the first project of its kind in our entire state. And so it's like, well, you know, maybe not running for office, maybe it's really digging in and taking a stronger leadership role in this affordable housing experiment. So, so I guess for me, like I, you've caught me in a state of transition. Um, So it's like, okay, so how do I, how do I step back and really start to evaluate that and decide where I am going to have that impact? And then that becomes the goal. So (laughs) That's absolutely correct. I mean, that's what I was going to say. It's like, um, well, you mentioned reflecting and, Mm -hmm. and taking a look at both and, you know, really getting clear on what it is that you want to accomplish, which one, I mean, do you feel like would be 
I guess, a higher priority where you feel like you can make the most impact or is making the most impact the most uh, important thing to you right now? And, and I kind of don't know. I, like I said, you, you caught me in a state of transition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm here trying to figure out, okay, do I pivot? Do I change things up? But at the core of it, right, being able to get that financial freedom and that flexibility and kind of do that gives me the space to experiment a little bit. Because sometimes really figuring out your goal or your next ambition or your next thing is really about taking a step back doing less for a little bit and giving yourself the space and the time to really think about that and consider what is next. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now is I've got all of these different things like flying at me and I'm trying to figure out, okay, well, which one do I grab onto and which one do I feel like is going to be the best use of my time and energy to make a positive difference. And I'm lucky because you know, I have the the space to do that. And I have the ability to do that. And my work and my my finances allow me to do that. Well, that's good that you put yourself in a, a good financial space where you can, you know, and you have the, and you, with your work, you have the freedom and flexibility to be able to give yourself the opportunity to kind of figure these things out. Uh, where do you want to go next? So what what do you think you would need to help you make that decision? So I don't know about what I need to make the decision, but I do know that as we move forward, you know, we always have to kind of reevaluate where we're at, where our, our income is coming from, our revenue streams. And I have a good solid investing situation where, you know, I invest regularly. I actually have a taxable investment account that I use to help me pay for my travel and kind of build my goals that way for travel specifically. But I think too, you have to take a step back and say, okay. Now, what do I need to do with my money? And that's kind of where I'm at right now is, okay, most of my money is very heavily concentrated on me having to actively earn it, right? I have to to do the podcast that I'm a part of. I have to write articles for my clients. And so if I'm not doing that, the money's not coming in. Um, You know, the, the investments are starting to be a bigger part of that because I've been building them over the last 15 years, but it's still not enough that I can just like, (laughs) just stop. And so, so I think for me, the next challenge with my money is, okay, how do I get recurring revenue? How do I do this without having to be active as actively involved? Right. So uh, do I experiment with some digital products? you know, write some little mini courses, right? You know, I have a book. I just released the second edition of my book about freelancing. It's twice as big as it was nine years. I realized I I released it earlier this summer and I was like, the first edition came out in 2013. I should have waited a year. (laughs) I should have waited until 2023 and did a 10 year anniversary palooza, but here we are. Um, But, you know, I just put that out there and it's made some sales and it's bringing in some money. And so I'm looking at stuff like that, like some mini courses um, and throwing up some videos on YouTube. And I'm not trying very hard on YouTube, so I don't know how much money that's going to make. But the idea is, okay, what can I do? How can I leverage my skills in a way that allows me to start um, bringing in income that I don't have to be directly involved with it every single day? Right. And that would allow you to do what? 
ramp up, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like basically it's like, okay, well, I mean, I can, you know, I can serve on these boards, right? But I can't do the level of advocacy that I would need to do, like meeting with people, um, meeting with local leaders and politicians to make this project work, being involved with like the public information campaign, doing all that kind of stuff. Because that's stuff when you're doing a nonprofit and you're serving on a nonprofit board and helping with this stuff, you're not getting paid. And so that's part of the issue too, is being able to not have to be as actively involved. I kind of, I've, I'm setting a goal for myself that I'm hoping that um, by the end of 2023, I'll be able to have half of the income that I have right now, half of the income I have coming from recurring revenue sources. So that that way I can cut half of my client work down. And so then I have double the time available to me to work on these other initiatives. So setting that goal and saying, okay, I'm going to try and, and have these recurring revenue sources cover half of what I need is, is, is what I'm doing so that I can try and readjust my life again. I'm always readjusting my life. I'm constantly readjusting my life. Well, that's what you do. You see what works and then you, yeah. or, or what doesn't work or what needs tweaking and you tweak it and try something different. So, okay. So earning half of your revenue um, as recurring income versus active income mm-hmm. uh, will help you to give you uh, more opportunity to ramp up and do more of your uh, nonprofit work or decide whether you want to pursue uh, running for city council or any other type of office, it would give you more opportunity um, to get more involved in your community. So, okay, there are women out there, uh, they're in transition as well. (laughs) That's why in the podcast, I wanted women who haven't, have a goal, but haven't accomplished it yet, because we want to know what are they doing or what can they do? Because I think that's more relatable than just after people have already made it successful and accomplished everything, then it's like, well, maybe you had something special. Maybe you had something, you know, some a uh, leg up or some different advantage that I don't have or that somebody else doesn't have. So that's exactly why I wanted to look at it from this perspective, because we need to inspire people to see women who are actively out there. And what, the fact that you're in transition, that's great, because that's where so many people are. You know, like, you know, trying to think, what's next? Where do I go next? Well, okay, well, then how are you going to figure out what you're going to do? Well, for one thing, you believe that bringing in half of the revenue from recurring income versus actively working will give you more opportunity to pursue that greater ambitious goal. So the things you're doing to help bring that in, you said you had a book you just released. You're, uh, what else did you say you were doing? So I am experimenting. Yeah, the freelancing, but you mm-hmm. know, that requires me to that's be actively involved. Yeah, that's yes. active. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so yeah, but I am doing some mini courses. mini courses. So like I have a mini course on learning how to set your financial priorities. Mm-hmm. I have a mini course on how to build your travel fund. A lot of one of the main questions people ask me is like, oh, well, how do you build your travel fund so you can travel more? And so I did a mini course on how to build your travel fund. So I have a couple of those things that you know people can buy. And then the next thing I'm going to be doing is working on making some videos and turning those into just short podcasts and trying to just sort of monetize that way a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> like once again, you know, we're experimenting a little bit. So, well, that's great. I mean, but you have some clear, um, 
concrete um, ideas of how you're going to uh, increase that income. And that's absolutely awesome. Uh, So what's your next step? Yeah. So the next step is, oh, the other thing I'm doing is, so Kindle is releasing these things called Vela's, V-E-L-L-A. And they're like, episodes, but they're written. It's basically like blogging, but now you're getting paid and it's all like under the theme. So I did a, um, this was great. Uh, earlier this year, or was it late last year? I don't know, but I just did a little, like it's got 20 episodes. So basically collected together in a Vela about being single. And I just kind of collected my stories of like what it's like being single now, um, you know, and how much I like it really and reflections on it. I collected it and, you know, it's so far it's brought in more than a thousand dollars for me, which has been nice. And nice. so I started another one because people are always asking me about travel. So I started another one um, that I'm working on right now. And you can do these like you can publish them when you want, you know, and you can just t- say when it's complete and when it's not. And, you know, people can use that. You get tokens. If you sign up for Vela, you get free tokens. <laughs> and then, you know, later you have to buy them because like the first three episodes are free. And then if you get hooked, then you have to start unlocking episodes with your token. Anyway, it's a whole thing. But Amazon's trying to ramp it up with the content and make it easy for people because it's a little bit easier than like actually putting together a book. And so I started one on solo travel. And so I started that. So that's the second Vela I'm doing because that's the Velas are actually right now because Amazon has more bonuses for the Velas. um, It's doing better than the mini courses. So I'm like, let's start a Vela then. Hey, that sounds great. I mean, you're finding all sorts of avenues to bring in more income. Do you feel like you need a certain amount to feel secure enough to ramp up your? So yeah, so if I'm going to do half, so I figure for me to meet the goals that I like to have, so you know, paying the rent, paying the bills, putting money into the travel fund, all of that kind of stuff, plus helping my son with his housing, his school is being paid for out of the 529. And then also he has a scholarship because he's on the esports team at the school. That's a thing. He plays video games. He's got a scholarship for playing video games at the school. That is a thing. Oh my I goodness. Not, I need I to know about this thing. <laughs> I'm not sad about it. So um, so just kind of figure, you know, I need about $10,000 a month. Need I like to have $10,000 a month to feel satisfied and secure. And then, so as a result, what I'm trying to do is build up these recurring revenue sources so that eventually, hopefully uh, by the end of next year, I end up in 2023, I have about four to 5,000 of that is coming from these um, recurring revenue sources. So we'll see if I can wrap that up. It's probably the most ambitious goal I've had in a long time. So we'll see how it goes. Well, you're taking actions. You've got your course, you've got your Bellas. That's bringing in some revenue. And those are those are the main two, right? The courses and the Bella? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Those that are, are, that are uh, bringing in recurring revenue that yes. are not active. So- Anything else that might help you or do you feel like you're on track to get um, there? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, because well, because part of the thing is you got to put together a marketing plan. Yeah. And for the most part, I've just sort of put the things 
out there, but I haven't marketed them yet. Oh, yeah. So really my next, cause I've done them and I put them out, they're on their platforms, but they haven't been marketed. So really the next step that I need to do uh, now that the election is over um, and everything else is I need to sit down, I need to make my marketing plan and then start marketing the things that I have out already. And then I can decide whether I need to outline what's next. There you go. So there's an action that you need to take because you haven't started marketing yet. So I, I mean, you got, you got these uh, things out there. And so your next action will be to start marketing them so you can start bringing in your revenue. That's awesome. That's a great takeaway. So now what advice would you have for other women who may be out there with an ambitious goal, but maybe they're in transition? So I think honestly, taking a step back and figuring out where you are at and, you know, taking the time to say, okay, what do I want things to look like? What do I want it to look like later? What does it look like now? And what are the steps I need to take to get there? And I think it's important to realize, you know, like you said earlier, like a lot of us are always like, we're in transition a lot, right? Um, You know, after my divorce, I had to make a transition. I had to pivot my life. I had to change the way I did things because now I'm a single mom. And then my son graduated and (laughs) now he's not living with me anymore. And now I'm reassessing like, okay, where are my time and energy going? Where are these things going? And so I think really just taking the time to step back and realize too, that you can tweak things and you can pivot and you can change things and you can say, okay, this isn't working for me. Or you can say, wait a second, why, why do it? Why am I doing this? (laughs) And kind of dig in. And I think the biggest thing is really taking the time we always have so much coming at us, right? Like the phone, the appointments, this, that, everything. And I think we've kind of lost the art of taking a step back and just sitting quietly with our thoughts and really thinking about, okay, why? And is this really working for me? And am I trying too hard at something that's not really working for me? And so for me, I think a lot of that reflection is important as well. What do I really want things to look like over here? I am right here. What are the steps I need to take to get over to this goal or what I want my life to look like? And then PS along the way, taking a step back and saying, do I still want my life to look like that? Absolutely. That was very good. I mean, uh, so insightful. I think that is very helpful to a lot of people, you know, just taking that, you know, kind of zooming out and looking at the big picture and then getting clear on what it is that because you have to stay aligned with your purpose because and I I think that reevaluating and reassessing things uh, periodically is important, especially if you're starting to question what you're doing or not sure if you're on the right path. So very helpful. Thank you for that. <laughs> so now tell us, Miranda, where can people find you? Yeah. So uh, you can find me at MirandaMarquette.com. That's my website that I don't update nearly as much as I should, <laughs> but you can find me there. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram and it's at M Marquette, not my full name, just M M A R Q U I T. So I'm, that's my handle on both uh, Twitter and Instagram. Absolutely. Well, I will link that in the show notes for sure. 
And I want to say thank you again, Miranda, so much for sharing your story and sharing your insight and your journey with us and your actions that you're taking. I'm sure it's going to be so inspiring to so many women who are in a similar situation to what you're in right now and trying to make some of those same decisions. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. And I hope that I hope that it gets some value for folks. Absolutely. I'm sure it will. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Women with Ambition, Making Money, Seeking Freedom, and Chasing Dreams podcast. If you enjoy this podcast and you want to hear more, then be sure to do these three things. First, hit the subscribe button so you'll be notified each time a new episode drops. You can also visit us on the website, extravagantlybroke.com slash podcast and subscribe to our email newsletter for all the latest Women With Ambition information. Second, share this episode with your family and friends because sharing is caring and we can all help elevate each other. Third, don't forget to leave us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast player so that we can continue to bring you more amazing stories from ambitious women just like you. So that's all for now. And thank you for allowing us to inspire you as you pursue your ambitious goals of making money, seeking freedom, and chasing dreams.